Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gesser. And recently, we got to talk to Melissa Long and Mary Muscari of the Writing Easy podcast. And today we have that interview for you. Yes, we do. This was a really fun conversation. We could talk to these two for hours. So count your blessings that we got it in under 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So great. Let's have a listen. So we are here today with Mary Muscari and Melissa Long, who are the hosts of a podcast called Writing Easy, which is super helpful and fun. So welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. And let me just kind of have you guys give us a little bit more background on on each of you and whoever wants to start. Mary will start. Oh, Mary will start. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, what can I tell you about myself? I'm uh, I'm a, a graduate of this program. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. It's called uh, Seton Hill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Actually. Yeah. No, it's apparently it's like this too. But no, no, it's a fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, so I write science fiction and fantasy. And mystery. I live in kind of the Chicagoish area, and just dyed my hair kind of red for the uh, quarantine. I'm learning how to dye my hair now, so that's pretty exciting. Nice, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> and Melissa? Yeah. Okay. So I'm a writer. Is that a surprise? <laughs> I write all kinds of things right now. I'm writing television and working on a couple of pilots out here in LA. I also have published a couple of supernatural, like paranormal novels and one contemporary romance novel. And I pretty much dabble in anything that allows me to tell stories. Very cool. Awesome. Melissa is way more legit than I am. She's totally awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I am the glue. (laughs) You're both legit. You're both legit. So you started this podcast together. How long ago did you do that? When did you start recording that? I think it's been a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a little over a year. Yeah. Wow. That's all. We're going to come up on a year. Carrie, when do we come up on a year? August, October, somewhere? Technically, we started in August, but we didn't start putting stuff out until October. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's a little far away for us. We're both baby podcasts. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) What gave you guys the idea to start that? Well, we knew we wanted to do a podcast. I think we, we were talking on the Seton Hill board and I'd been looking to do one because I just I wanted to explore the medium. And Melissa said, hey, anyone want to do something? I'm like, yeah, let's do something. And we got together and sort of talked about, you know, what kind of podcast we wanted to do. There are a lot of things that were already out there. And so we, we wanted to try to find something, you know, a slightly different angle, something that we thought would be helpful and, and actually contribute something to society for a change. Um, <laughs> yeah. In our own small, possibly insignificant way. But yeah, and so we came across, you know, came up with this idea of, of writing easy where we're kind of trying to encourage people. So yeah, all right, Melissa, what did I leave out? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's the that's the gist of it. I think there's so much content outside, like in the world that talks about the struggling artist and how challenging it is and how you have to bleed to make your writing matter. And we just did not like that. <laughs> like we wanted to <laughs> turn that on its head and really talk about like, how do you navigate life and writing at the same time? And how do you get out of this this idea of not calling yourself a writer or an author because you're not published or you're not getting paid for it? We really wanted to have a show that allowed 
people to just embrace their creativity and to find that balance between everyday life and how to be creative and how to write and call their own, like design their own rules essentially around what writing is. That's awesome. Yeah. I find it really interesting that we both kind of, we like purposefully tried to take a positive bent on, Mm -hmm. on our topics. So that's really neat. My kids are both uh, teenagers and they watch a lot of uh, YouTube videos, particularly my younger one. And he, he he likes to watch these these things that are like, oh, everything wrong with this, everything criticizing with this. And they, they can be entertaining. Don't get me wrong. But after a while, you start hearing it over and over and it just it wears you down. And you're like, just, oh, quiet. You know, and the problem is that also starts to get in your head. Mm-hmm. And so then when you sit down to create, you hear those same critics who are already there anyway. And so I feel like for me, even making a positive podcast is helping me as well. So I'm helping listeners, but I'm also helping myself. Yes, I completely agree. I think I think with both both instructional kinds of or supportive creative podcasts like yours is, and then a content-based one like ours, there's so much stuff out there that is being like ironic or self-loathing or, mm-hmm. you know, too, too aware of, of the parts of it that are wrong. And like you said, there's there's a place for that, but it's not maybe not right now, maybe not in our current yeah. world. <laughs> well, it's you know it gets attention, right? I mean, and it's and it's easier certainly to poop on something than to find the uplifting thing. But I think particularly as an artist, I think you have to be careful of that because it can really poison you. It can it can you know splash on you a little bit too, and you don't want that. Yeah. There's so much in the world of, I think in writing in particular, but maybe in other fields as well that I'm just not familiar with, of, you know, you're doing it wrong. Here's the right thing to do. You know, just a very hemming you in, a lot of rules, a lot of correction, and even a lot of gotchas. And so I think it's even more important with writing to take a positive spin to not not get into that, this is what's wrong, right? Because we, we see that easily. Even when you're doing a critique, you want to say, oh, this is what's right about it. And that's always so hard. So I, I'm really happy that we've, we're able to do something that's, here's how to find what's right. Here's how to how to think of it in a positive way. Here's how to have fun with it. Yeah. Because, like, why else do it? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you've got to enjoy the process of writing and creating and not focus on these big milestones that happen once every three years or five years or 10 years that if you're living for those moments, you're going to be a miserable writer. And and mm-hmm. that's not what we want. So we try to look at other industries and other sectors and think about like, what can we borrow from there and take and incorporate into our own writing and creative practices as well. That's what I really like about your show is that I I feel like the process is something you both actually genuinely enjoy more so than worrying about I mean, you worry about the product, but actually enjoying writing, you know, mm-hmm. and that that is so, I, I, you know, there's a lot of cute memes and stuff out about how hard and torturous it is to be a writer or whatever. But like, if you don't enjoy those moments of actually writing, why are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, it is hard. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Right. And I think that's very comforting to know that it's hard. Because if you think it's, if everyone's like, no, this is a piece of cake. And you're like, dude, this is really hard. That's can be really discouraging. But if you hear like, no, no, this is tough you're going to struggle and it's okay. Mm-hmm. I find that very encouraging. But yeah, you got to, it takes so long. You write a book, you spend years on it, and then you go into the publishing process and that takes years. And, you know, the querying and the publishing, it's, it's, it can be a really rough, rough go. So you, you got to have fun with it. You got to find some enjoyment in it. And it shows in the work, 
I think. Absolutely. I also think it's cool that you're both also novelists, but then, Melissa, you've got the screenwriting element too. And that's something I think is not recognized as much in other other instructional things about writing is that there's not the acknowledgement that if it's like, if you're kind of looking at broadly fiction and narrative, that screenwriting is still storytelling and, and still in that umbrella. So what made you kind of shift a little bit more to, to the screenwriting life? I think part of it was this desire to be more collaborative and to create a project that could have a bigger life than just the pages of a book. So I like the idea of actors bringing life to my characters. I like the idea of a production designer and a set decor and like thinking about locations and actually making the stories, especially since I write a lot of fantasy and science fiction. I like the idea of seeing those things in real life and the magic of movie making. So that was one of the things that drew me to it. But I I do think that I came in not realizing that I had a large advantage over other screenwriters, which is that I had studied so much the three act structure and how to do a novel. And I had written novels that I had a deeper understanding of the craft and the power of words than someone who just came in having watched a bunch of television or a bunch of movies and then decided to do a a screenplay without any kind of understanding of how to do plot and structure and character development. So I really fell in love with the format and fell in love with some of the parameters, right? Because there's things that you can't do on television that you can do in, in books. I like the collaborative nature of it and being able to sit in the room with other writers and think about all of us contributing to this one world and universe and characters, as opposed to just me having the weight of the entire series <laughs> on my shoulders and an editor being like, this is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great points. That's interesting. I, I also think it's neat to think about starting out as a novel writer and then transitioning at least part of your writing time to screenwriting. I had a creative writing student years and years ago who actually did the reverse. He wrote a screenplay and then decided this would work better as a film or this would work better as a novel. And he redid his screenplay as a novel series um, and is seeing some success with that. So I think that's, it's interesting how the forms can kind of inform each other. Exactly. And I think once you master the, the core tenets of storytelling, you can tell a story in any kind of medium. And yeah, there's certain things that you have to learn about the format or fitting the structure. But there's some stories that I'm like, this will never be a TV show or this will never be a movie because it doesn't fit. It can't be contained in that structure. And that's okay. Yeah. Interesting. Are there other genres that either of you want to explore other other types of medium? Are you interested in translating your talents to other types of writing? Well, I'm always working on short stories. I have done a couple and I, I always enjoy it. My problem is, is that they keep growing. So the last time I tried <laughs> flash fiction, it ended up being, uh, you know, 100 thousand word novel <laughs> so i'm i'm working on it i think i might have might have overshot there just a teeny bit so maybe next time i love flash fiction i should write more flash fiction i do a weekly um, flash fiction prompt thing i don't i don't always get it every week but i aim to write a, a piece of flash every week but it's it's hard it's i like the constraint of it you know it's a challenge i find flash fiction probably the most difficult thing <laughs> Because yeah. you, you do have to contain it in so few words. Yeah, which is not my strong suit. I write, you know, there's like 10 points of view and there's, you know, all these storylines and stuff like that. And so for me to say just one, I'm like, but, oh, <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> but that's good. It's good to, you know, challenge yourself. 
So do you have listeners contact you ever to cover a specific topic? We did some polling and people definitely wanted us to talk about, you know, creativity more than anything else. That's really what's exciting for people, I think. You know, and I think that's really a big gap, like something you don't see a lot of. I can find writing podcasts about how to, you know, how to how to plot and structure, you know, like the craft, which is great. And I can find podcasts about the the publishing industry, but there aren't as many about creativity. So we've gotten some good response to that. Oh. Yeah, the other thing that we've done is look at what's in the news, like look at different mm -hmm. articles that are circulating around writing or creativity, different shows. We just did one on Hamilton. <laughs> so like we try to look yeah, at like what's actually, yeah. in the universe right now that everybody's talking about. And is there a way that we can bring our own angle or twist to the conversation? Yeah. And we mentioned that you started this about a year ago which was obviously in the before times, before the pandemic started. Yeah. So how have your topics changed since then? Have you seen a change in, in what people want to hear about? Or has it been a little bit harder to maintain that kind of marathon of positivity? Or how have you guys responded, I guess, to the pandemic? That was a lot of questions, sorry. Yeah. Well, I feel like I don't know that our content has completely changed. I know like, I have been super productive in quarantine, but I also nice. live alone with my dog. <laughs> so I have a lot more freedom and space to be creative and write. And so I think that has trickled into my ability to keep things sort of more positive and more light. But Mary, I know you were taking a break and you're like, well, I need to do some other things besides writing. And I think that has influenced our push to move towards things that are not like a how to, like how to write, but more broader mm -hmm. conversations around creativity, around process, around, you know, like how to find inspiration in different ways. One, I hesitate to say good things. There's nothing good about this, but writers are sitting home alone anyway. So this is <laughs> fine. Like this is, you know, and, and I've been, you know, personally, I think Melissa and I both have been lucky enough that we haven't been directly affected, fortunately. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's that's been helping us. But I think for both of us, writing is really kind of an escape from everything. And it's kind of keeping us both sane. So being positive about it is is really helpful because it's a positive thing. Now, yeah, like and then like Melissa said, though, I did find myself saying I am burned out. I need to take a break. And I did. I took a couple weeks off and did puzzles and goofed off and relaxed. And that helped a lot, too. So I think mm -hmm. one thing I've definitely learned from this is is the importance of self-care. So, yeah. That's great because, yeah, I think it's one of the hardest things for writers to do is, is admit that we're burned out because, you know, you always see that advice like, you have to write every day or else you're not a mm -hmm. writer. And it's like, <laughs> or I could take a nap because I'm really tired. <laughs> and it's hard, right, because there is so much procrastination that goes on and everybody does it. And, you know, it, it's... I think it's, as you said, writing writing is hard. And so it's sometimes difficult to see the difference between self-care and procrastination. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, is, am I being bad or am I taking care of myself? Well, uh, some of the column A, some of the column B. So it's <laughs> it's a, definitely an ongoing ongoing struggle. I distinctly remember one of our shared professors continually telling us all that the time you spend doing those other things is still writing. It's just mm -hmm. you may be brainstorming while you're jogging. You may be thinking about characters while you're doing dishes, you know, but that if you don't give yourself the time and space to have those 
those brain moments, you can't invent everything while you're at the at the writing desk. You, some of it has to come from, you know, living your life and doing other stuff, but you're always thinking. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Even subconsciously. Yeah. Yep. I just listened to an episode of yours, I think two days ago on pitching and networking. And now that we're in this stage where we can't really do those things as effectively, maybe maybe this is too specific of a question, but do you think that publishing is still happening? Are people still buying TV scripts? Are people still accepting manuscripts for, for books during this strange time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the for online pitch sessions. I'm waiting for a, this to change the way pitching happens, especially for publishing. Because mm-hmm. the query letter, I think, is just not an effective tool. I mean, it's the best we've got, but I just don't think it's good. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, let's let this change everything. Maybe we could start doing, I don't know. I don't know what, but but yeah. I mean, and most of you are doing more, than, more of this than I am. You're really schmoozing. <laughs> I am. I've, like, I have been You're busier. You're what you got to do. <laughs> I've been busier at home in isolation wow. than I ever was in terms of taking meetings and joining things and participating on, on panels and such. And I hear all the time, like people are still buying scripts, they're buying movies. Uh, I was just talking to another writer and she said her lit manager was saying that they were overwhelmed, that they were like, the number of submissions that they're getting now and queries that they're getting now has doubled. And they're like, I don't know, everybody's creative at home, I guess, or they're they're Mm -hmm. seeing that like, oh, you know, I should do something more meaningful with my time. And they're, they're taking chances and putting their stuff out there, which I think is great. So... It's never too late to start is what I like to tell people. It's never too late. If you have, if this was on your bucket list, take some time and write something, edit something, meet a, Absolutely. you know, start an online group. There's tons of people using Zoom. I mean, I wish I had stock in Zoom. <laughs> because, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> but yeah. I did hear, I did hear somebody anecdotally saying that it's probably not the time to be submitting the pandemic novel while we're still no, in yeah. the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. They, yeah. Apparently they're getting tons of that of like, oh, here's my pandemic story. And they're like, it's going to be a little bit before that's a thing, but <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, I also kind of want to uncouple publishing from creativity. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said this on the, on the podcast at one point, like if you do any, any other sort of art form, you tell someone like at a party, oh, hey, yeah, I'm a painter. They don't immediately go, oh, are, do you have a gallery? You know, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a musician. Oh, do, do you, are you playing at, you know, do you have a large concert hall or something? Like they're always, <laughs> but if you tell someone you're a writer, like, oh, you published, I had your book. I'm like, you know, and it's odd. It, and so I think, you know, we have to uncouple that, that requirement that in order to be a legit writer or legitly creative at anything, you have to have some measure of commercial success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are poets who especially struggle with that because poetry mm-hmm. is not, is even less lucrative than fiction writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they struggle with, am I a legitimate writer? Am I a legitimate poet? And I think that we've got to, we have to really separate that. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah and I don't, like, it, it doesn't happen for anyone else. And I think part of it is that because the nature of the, of this art form is that there's such a gap between the artist and the audience. There's no immediacy and it's such a hard way to, to reach them. Whereas, you know, I, I'm a musician, I can just play and you sit and listen and it's done, you know, like there, poof, I can record it, play it out, the internet, done. But since it's such an investment of time, I mean, film probably does that too, but yeah, and it's, it can be very frustrating. But yeah, like, so you have to, 
there's a lot of soul searching then goes into that, like, why am I doing this? What am I trying to get out of it? How do I define success? Which are difficult questions to answer. But yeah. They really are. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I think writers especially have, we have this like self-consciousness about whether we're published and who we're published yeah. by and, and things like that. So I think it's really cool that you, you two are, you know, talking about this stuff on your podcast out in the open, because a lot of times I feel like writers, we talk about things amongst ourselves, but then we're sort of afraid to say things out loud sometimes. Mm -hmm. So talking about publishing and creativity, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I firmly believe that everyone's creative and that the whole idea of you can only do art if you're good at it. I, I like that's my mission is to dis um, just just completely dismantle that idea. I hate that. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that we wouldn't we wouldn't expect that of other art forms necessarily, especially especially as you're learning and growing and and yeah. getting better at something. I don't say I don't knit because I knit badly or that I don't yeah. have a best-selling Etsy store. I still do it. So, um I think that absolutely could go for writing, painting, music, anything. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone can be creative and you don't have to be good at it to be successful at it, you know, or to be worthwhile at it. And I think it's also okay to be an audience member of something. Like, mm -hmm. we don't always have to be involved in the particular art form that we like to consume. I mean, I love music, but I'm, I know that I'm not a very good musician, and I kind of stopped doing music as a musician, not because I, you know, was, was sad about it or anything, but I realized I want to put my creative effort into something else and be able to better enjoy music as a, as a listener. So for readers out there, I think sometimes it can actually be useful to hear people talking about the craft of writing, even if all you want to do is read. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think you'll definitely appreciate it more because you'll, you'll have a little more understanding of what's, what goes into things. You'll notice things more. The only warning is you may have a lower tolerance for bad writing. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was just thinking the other day that whenever I can't not find a typo, I can't not find... Oh, I know. And even novels that I'm just sort of reading just for fun, it's a little harder to actually finish a book that I'm not as invested in yeah. if I find structural things wrong with it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been always difficult, but now I can articulate why and that <laughs> makes it harder. Yes, that's true. <laughs> like I can, I, my my rant about The Lion King and I, and I remember when I saw it, I was like, something's wrong. And now I know why, why I feel that way and why I don't, why it bothers me. But <laughs> why do you feel that way? There's no second act. Oh, okay. There's no second act. <laughs> huh. There's no second. The character does not grow as a result. You don't see any any evidence in the second act of the king he's going to become. Mm. Huh. You only see him being bullied into doing it and finally doing it. But you don't ever see him. Yeah, you need it in the second act to start to see what kind of king he's going to be and how he's going to be a different king. You know, and, and how his experience with Timon and Pumbaa have turned him into the king he's going to be, which is going to be a better king than what Mufasa was, right? That, that None right, of that. Yeah. Hmm. None of that. It was just like, dude, you're supposed to be king. I don't want to, but you're supposed to. Okay. <laughs> like, that was it. That's the whole internal growth. Like, no. Well, that's, yeah. that's an argument. I, something that I started finding bothersome as I got older, I used to be really into Superman when I was a kid, and then... I did. It, it kind of occurred to me, maybe not even until I was in my 20s or 30s, that he never experiences growth. And it's the same kind of mm -hmm. problem that any origin story you tell of Superman is, oh, this is going to be hard, but I have to do it. The end. Like there's no, mm -hmm. he's not a very complex character. And I think that's interesting. You need a little more complexity there. I think Supergirl is more complex than Superman, actually. But hmm. 
mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't really have a in any telling any reboot of his story. There's no there's no internal struggle, not even in Smallville. Mm-hmm. Maybe especially in Smallville. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Smallville. I mean, you could have a story with entertaining story with no internal growth as long as the outside stuff is very exciting, which is why yes. it is, right? It's all these you know, big bad guys and, and cool, crazy things, because that, that's what you got to have, because you don't have anything else. But yeah. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say, I really like Superman. And no, he's not super complex. But I enjoy that because I know exactly what I'm gonna get. And sometimes it's just really nice to be able to, to watch or read about a character who like is doing the right thing because he's a good person <laughs> oh i mean there is huge arguments to be said in yeah. support of him and he has an immigrant narrative and there's a whole thing but i and wonder woman sometimes gets called on the carpet for that too but i think she gets a little bit more complexity with her backstory being different and, and involving some other elements but anyway yeah I, that is absolutely a good argument i think that also tells the fact that different fiction mediums don't necessarily need to adhere to the same storytelling tropes so if you're talking about mm-hmm. film or comic books may have different expectations for your character than a long, sprawling novel series. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. Where I, I expect Harry Dresden to go through a ton of personal growth and change throughout a 20 book series, but I may not necessarily expect Superman to have a lot of internal, you know, musing over one issue of a single art comic book. So anyway, that's... Yeah. 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 <laughs> And I'm not saying one approaches better than the other, but I really love that there are there's room for both and all approaches. Yes. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So since we're talking about pop culture already, what sort of movies, TV, books, music are you guys consuming now that you really love that you want to talk about or maybe that have influenced your work? Well, we just did a two-part episode about Hamilton, so we'll mm-hmm. just refer you to that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't listened to that yet. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. It's two parts because we talked too long, and so we're like, well, this is two episodes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking about this, and actually one of the things that I started binging uh, at the beginning of all this madness uh, was Community. Oh! It's in Netflix, and... I had not seen it before. It just, you know, hadn't come up on my radar. I always heard that it was really good. I was like, well, let's check this out. Love. So in love with it. Did you finish it Just absolutely adore it. I have slowed down greatly in the last season. Oh, okay. Yeah, we did it. We did a community rewatch starting, well, Carrie and I did an episode on it, and then I went ahead and continued, but I accelerated over the pandemic times, and my husband and I just finished it up like a couple weeks ago, and then I immediately started reading community fanfic. Like, I was like, I don't remember oh, even yeah. loving this as much when it was on. It was so good. Yeah. And I, I'm like, next time there's a con, I am going to have uh, an Inspector Space Time cosplay. Nice. No question. And yeah, no, I, I have really enjoyed it because it's, it's very clever and witty and fun. So that's been, my, that's been my, my latest kind of obsession. And oh, I've been watching a lot of Midsummer Murders. Oh, very cool. Oh, my God. I love those. I actually, I actually met Travis Ritchie, who played Inspector Space Time. Oh, nice. <laughs> he was at a he was at a convention in Cincinnati oh, several years back. But yeah, he was very nice. Well, that's hilarious. What about you, Melissa? What have I been? I have been watching a lot of new series on streaming networks. So I, I just finished Upload, which I loved, which was on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And then it's sort of that art, the AI, like the uploading your consciousness instead of dying to this like virtual reality world, which I just thought was really fascinating. And 
What else have I watched? Never Have I Ever, which I think is a wonderful show on Netflix. And it's more YA inspired, but also very diverse cast. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) What's it about? It's like a teen show where the main character is an um, Indian girl. It's an Indian family in California. And she's just sort of going through high school and she gets wrapped into this like she has this crush on this guy. So it's very much like a teen drama romance kind of story. Oh, okay. Actually, I think I have heard of it. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah, very cool. Super cute. Super lighthearted. I don't, well, I don't want to spoil it. And I like, I binge watch these things all at once in one day or two days. And then I'm like, <laughs> well, I can't tell you what was just in the first episode because I have no <laughs> concept. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's all a blur. That happened to me when I we watched We Missed Infinity War in the theaters. Mm. So what we did was we watched Infinity War in the morning on Netflix and then drove to the theater and watched Endgame. Oh, So it was man. all one day, <laughs> which was amazing. That's awesome. It, it was incredible. But then I, I have a really hard time remembering which was in which movie because it was all one day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. Well, I, I watched Upload a little bit before you did, Melissa, and I, I binged it in like, I want to say three days or, or a week or something. And I couldn't tell you anything about when anything happened in that show. It was all just so quick. Yeah. But it's wonderfully done. It's very, it's great. People should watch it. It's so pretty too. Like it's very visually, like my TV had trouble keeping up with how high def it was actually. <laughs> it's very pretty. Cool. Yeah, we got to do the positive stuff. Sounds like we're all going into just like happy things we want to listen and watch yes, and consume yes. right now. Well, except I just finished The Handmaid's Tale and Ooh. now I'm switching to oh more lighthearted fare. <laughs> <laughs> I binged The Handmaid's Tale in about two months and watched almost nothing else except that by myself. And oh. yeah, it put me in a certain mood, but <laughs> it also made me feel, and we talked about this on our podcast, Carrie, that I think it. It made me feel like, okay, well, at least we're not experiencing this yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yet is the key word there. (laughs) I was going to ask if you you wanted to talk about your own writing a little bit. You mentioned it briefly at the beginning, but if you just want to talk about what books and stories you have out there, you can. But if not, that's okay, too. (laughs) I don't have anything handy that I can plug because I've been... I've just literally just been writing novels. And then since I hate querying so much, I finished that novel and then write another one, (laughs) which is a really good way to get your career going is just write and then don't ever show it to anybody. (laughs) Um, So I, yeah, I I, I don't have anything I can, I can plug just a podcast. That's it. (laughs) Just a podcast. I see. I see how it is. Just a podcast. (laughs) No, I mean, I don't mean to belittle it. No, no, no. I just mean that that is the only thing. Nothing other than the podcast. How about that? (laughs) That is enough for anyone. I don't have anything. I have a few books under my pen name, which was Missy Lynn Ryan. So those are out there. I don't really promote them that much. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should redo the covers and make them look modern. But I'm like, they've been out for several years. So, you know, see, I'm also not a PR person. Can you tell? I'm like, I have these books, but you don't really (laughs) want to buy them. And the covers are outdated. (laughs) Yeah, no. Well, in case somebody in case somebody might want to buy them, can you just give us a little like genre capsule or something of the first one, maybe? Yeah, so I have the Love Sex Magic series. There's two books in that. And it's essentially a half blood gypsy matchmaker who helps supernaturals find love. 
And each book is a case with a client, a different supernatural client. So it's a lighthearted, like supernatural paranormal. I wouldn't say it's a paranormal romance because it's not necessarily like following the conventions of romance in terms of genre. But um, if you like werewolves and magic, that's the book for you. Oh, that sounds really cute. Awesome. Uh, Great. Thank you. So again, your podcast, Writing Easy, and where can people find that? Uh, the places where podcasts are. So, yeah, you know, it, it's in uh, app, Apple Podcasts. That's what it's called now. Yeah. We're so good at this. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, or I think it's on, I think we have it on Spotify. All the podcatchers that your little heart desires, they are there. It is there. It comes out every week. And the episodes are short. We try to keep them under 20 minutes. So, you know, you're not committing yourself to, you know, a, a long thing. You can just pop it in real quick. Run to the store, something like that. Get a little encouragement. You need a break. That's what it's designed for. Nice. Yeah, that is very helpful. Not that we don't want to listen to you for hours, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I often listen to a couple in a row. If I'm like, I'm, I gotta get even more inspiration and help today. So that's perfect. They're bingeable. How about that? Yes. There you go. Yeah. I was just saying. Sometimes I get daunted when things are too long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Do you have Twitter or any other social media that people can find you at? Yes. The Writing Easy podcast, I think it's like Writing Easy Pod 1 is the Writing Easy Twitter account. Uh, I'm Geeky Mary at Twitter. And generally, we kind of post both places. And we have a Facebook page. I think it's technically a page called Writing Easy. Uh, And we have an Instagram. You guess what it's called? (laughs) Is it Writing Hard? (laughs) <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a <laughs> writing is not hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, we're on the socials, we're on the places yeah. with the things and the stuff. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look at us. We're like publicity machines. There's some stuff. I don't know. Things. <laughs> God, we're pathetic. You know, Mary. Yes, Mary, we do it. have a website that like has all of those links on it. I'm so glad you remember that. See, because Melissa's the one who does the website, so she always remembers that it's there. I'm the one who does the Twitter account, so I'm like, Twitter. So, yeah. So, yeah. You can go there. The writingeasypodcast.com. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you, ladies, so much. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Thank you to Mary and Melissa for joining us. Yes. And I encourage everybody to listen to that podcast. It helps me with my own writing. I think it also has helped you, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, I enjoy listening to it. And like we talked about, there are nice little easy like 20 minute bites of podcasts. So it's a lot of fun to listen to. It is. Yeah. So what are we doing next week? Next week, we will be talking about the new Chicks album, Gaslighter, and the new Netflix adaptation of The Babysitter's Club. I'm super excited. It's gonna be great. It is gonna be great. Yeah. And our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. If you want to try to talk to both of us on Twitter, we're at Pause Pop Podcast. And you can email us at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs>